Welcome to Growth Mindset University. My name is Jordan Paris, 21-year-old author and host of this show. And with this show, you and I will embark on a journey to learn the things that we should have learned in school but did not, so that we may take control of our lives while fulfilling our visions of success. Each episode will feature a brand new lesson, and now it's time for today's lesson. So put your thinking cap on because school is now in session. Before we get into it today, make sure that you are subscribed to the show, Growth Mindset University, wherever you are listening to this podcast. Everything we do here is to help you, to help you learn so that you can do all that you were created to do, so that you can maximize your potential and who you are. As cliche as that sounds, we have interviews with New York Times bestselling authors and really just the most successful people in the world every single week, two times a week, we have those interviews. So we don't want you to miss it. Make sure you go do that. And now without further ado, please enjoy the show. My guest today is Jarek Robbins. Jarek is a best-selling author and decorated performance coach. He has delivered trainings and speeches to millions of people worldwide, speaking to businesses and organizations including Harvard University, the United States Air Force, BMW, and the United States Olympic team. He was awarded the U.S. Congressional Award Medal at the age of 23. Jarek's book, Live It, received raving reviews from Deepak Chopra, Brian Tracy, and many others. Extremely successful in his own right, he also happens to be the son of personal development icon Tony Robbins. Jarek, welcome to Growth Mindset University. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Of course. So rumor has it, it only took you a month and a half to write your book. Is that true? That is not true. So I don't know no. where the rumor started. <laughs> oh gosh, I, I I heard you on I heard you on school of on school of greatness. We're well, you, you're, so, you're in Costa Rica in a month and a, for a month and a half, right? Two and a half months. Okay, um, two and a half. And 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 so uh, if, if, I'm guessing you heard it from Lewis when I was talking to Lewis or on his podcast. Uh, yeah. Lewis is a great guy. We were chatting about my book, um, and and I was telling him I said I'm I'm I do performance coaching. So I coach business professionals on how to increase their performance. And the thing I love most about doing performance coaching uh, is one, we get to make a radical and amazing lasting positive impact in people's lives. So their businesses grow, they get healthier, they get happier, they finally find an intimate relationship, they have a tighter bond with their kids, like they sleep better, um, they feel more fulfilled, they make more money, like all this stuff happens. So I, I love doing this work as my career path. Uh, and then what I, I also love about it is it allots us freedom. So I always tell people, um, even if you took the average income of a coach, which is like 40 something thousand a year, and then you take what the average, you know, US worker makes, which is 40 something thousand a year. So the only difference between a coach and a person working a normal job is a coach could do it from anywhere in the world and have absolute and total flexibility and freedom. And this person has to report to their desk and wear their uniform and do their job all day do their tasks. And, and so as a coach, one thing it allotted me to do, which is a great privilege, was my wife and I decided to move to Costa Rica and live on the beach for two and a half months. Um, and while we were there, uh, we, we worked on writing a book. And so it was two and a half months working on it there. Um, but the process took a little oh, bit longer okay. <laughs> from, from the two and a half months of cultivating the content, creating all the content, getting things moving. And then from there, there's probably passing it back and forth with the editing from our publisher, probably another month or two of just like it renditions of, you know, version 2.1.2, version 2.1.3, version 2.1.2, version, no, no, we like that version better. Let's go back a version, like that stuff. But the main work of it was done in that two and a half months. And it was awesome. Um, mm -hmm. and, and honestly, we're, I think we're about to go spend my mom's health is online right now. So depending on how she does health wise, uh, we're planning on spending a month over in Mallorca, Spain on the Island out there. 
just to, to kind of soak up some life and probably work on some new projects. And then we were just talking about it. Um, we'll probably end up buying a home either in, in Rincon, Puerto Rico, in the surf town there, or somewhere near Tamarindo in Costa Rica in the little surf town there um, and spend more time down there as well. Absolutely. I love what you say, man. Just soak up some life. I love that. I, I resonate with that very deeply. What made you go to Costa Rica, though, you know, first in the first place, you decided to move there for two and a half sure. months. Like, like what's the, what spurred that? Cause it doesn't just, um, you don't just, it doesn't just happen. Well, for us, it does. Uh, oh. it, it's the piece. Like <laughs> we did, we moved to, we just, we were in Tampa for a few years. Well, all we went all the way back before Costa Rica. So we met in San Diego on my neighbor's rooftop and we fell in love and, and I'll never forget. Um, the day we met, we were talking back and forth and the introduction was really simple. My wife, uh, our neighbor grabbed her by the wrist, dragged her across the party right when she walked in the door and she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not trying to meet anybody. What are you doing? And her, my friends told me this later. She said, girl, put a smile on your face. I'm about to change your life. And she walked her across the party and shoved her into me. And the introduction was, Jarrett, this is Amanda. She loves to travel. She used to live in East Asia. Um, she loves to volunteer. Uh, and this is Amanda. This is Jarek. He loves to travel. He used to live in Africa and, um, he loves to volunteer. So, uh, have fun you two and turned around and walked away. And so we were staring awkwardly at each other and we're like, so you travel? And, and she was like, yeah. And most people, if you ever hung out in San Diego, traveling is like Tijuana, maybe Vegas, probably LA. Like, yay, we've traveled. And that's still cool. I love, I mean, if you can travel to the town next door to you or the village up the road, like, great, that's still traveling. But that wasn't the kind of traveling I was looking for in a spouse. And and so, you know, when I was like, oh, where have you been? And she's like, well, I, I, I did, you know, some business school at Chalaluncorn in uh, Thailand, the business school there. And then I was doing some of my MBA work over in China for a while. And then I was teaching English in Korea. And I was like, whoa like you like really traveled okay like you're legit and i was like that's cool she's like what about you and i was like well i took a ship and and i got on a cruise ship and we went all the way around the world in 110 days stopped in 10 countries then i went i I used to teach organic farming in a village in uganda and i was teaching english on the side in the in the schools there on the weekends she was like whoa you're legit too I was like so you volunteer she's like yeah you know i I like i help out at make-a-wish all the time turns out that year she was make-a-wish uh, wish grantor of the year. She won the award. I was like, holy shit. And she's like, you volunteer? And I was like, yeah, I got a gold medal from Congress for 400 hours of volunteer service over two years. She's like, wow. And so like everything was the real deal when we met each other. Fast forward, um, we taught on a couple cruises. And, and so I'm sorry, the day we met, she goes, where are you going next? And I said, well, I'm about to teach on a cruise ship that's going to it's 26, 25 days in 10 countries through Central and South America. Without even hesitating an inch, like an out, she went, I'm in. <laughs> I was also like, I didn't invite you, but you want to go? She's like, yeah, I'm totally in. I was like, okay. I'm like, well, what about your job? Because most people start telling you the story of how they can't do it because they have work and all this stuff. She's right, like, I'll, here, I'll, I'll figure it out. She's like, I'll figure it out. I'm like, what if, what if they say you can't? She's like, then I'll quit and find another job. I was like, yeah, that's what I would do. <laughs> and I was like, what about the money? And she's like, I'll figure it out. I like, that's what I would do. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. And it was amazing. Like, it, I was like, yes, yes. Like, we totally clicked. She landed up going on that trip with me. So we did 25 days, 10 countries, teaching on board. Um, she was actually in her MBA class at San Diego State when I texted her. I said, hey, do you want to be cabin mates? And she said she almost passed out because she was so excited when she showed her girlfriend. Um, so it was a lot of fun. And we went on that trip. Then we came back to San Diego, stood in San Diego for a while, did a few more trips around the world, just teaching or, or learning stuff. And then I was like, Hey, you know, we, we landed up getting engaged. We landed up moving forward. And, uh, eventually we decided we wanted to move out of San Diego. So there was a big adventure that happened. We packed up our bags and we did, what do we do first? We flew to Florida and we taught on a cruise for six. 15 days in seven countries from Florida all the way through the Panama Canal back to San Diego. Then we jumped in an RV with three friends and did 20 days of volunteer work across the southern part of the U.S., stopped in 
I think five or six cities and did volunteer work in each city just to help people out. Uh, we called it, um, uh, what did we call it? Something kindness. Kindness loves company. And it was a little, we had a little logo and we like stopped in places and did random acts of kindness around the country, which was fun. Um, and then after that, we moved to Tampa and we stood in Tampa for a few years as our base. And then from there, no, I'm sorry. We moved to Costa Rica before the cruises for two and a half months and wrote the book. Then we did the cruise. Then we did the road trip. Then we moved to Tampa. We ended up staying in Tampa for like three, four years. And then after Tampa, we moved to San Diego for nine months for fun. And then we moved back and we just moved to Miami. We've been there for almost nine months. We'll be there until the end of the year. And then we're probably going to either move to Puerto Rico or, or Costa Rica. My favorite, long story, but my favorite piece that happens is whenever we land in a city and we have all our bags and stuff and it looks like we're moving there because we are, and inevitably the Uber driver will be like, oh, like, how long are you guys staying? And we're like, I don't know, maybe six months, a year. And they'll go, huh? Like, are you here for work? No. Like, oh, are you, are you here on vacation? No. And they're like, well, why are you here? And this is my favorite response in the world. Because we want to be. Yeah. And they're like, really? You can just do that? <laughs> and it's funny because most people don't comprehend that at any moment in time. Now, now. I'm going to reverse this for a half second. It is an incredible privilege to be in a country that gives you the ability that at any moment in time, you can choose to just move to another part of the country or world and, and just call it home for however long you want to stay there. That is a huge privilege. <clears throat> There's a lot of countries in the world that that is not okay. Like they cannot just randomly move to other countries. So it's a huge privilege, um, and uh, it, it's an incredible opportunity that most people do not take advantage of for some reason. But nowadays, it's becoming more and more prevalent or more and more as, of an option for a lot of people, and we take in, incredible advantage of that option, which is right now we want to live in Miami. After that, either Costa Rica or Puerto Rico for a while. We might go live in the, the Spanish islands for a bit, um, and, and just kind of we choose where we want to be, and then we go do it. Well, it's because a lot of it is because you've designed your life in that fashion. And designing a life is something that you and I both talk about. I mean, for me, Don't Make a Living, Design a Life has been in my Instagram bio for almost three years now. Not because it sounds good, but because it actually works, Jarek. And, you know, I've designed my life around three criteria, which are, you know, if a specific activity doesn't, isn't a lot of fun, it doesn't make me a lot of money, or if it doesn't help a lot of people, if it doesn't check one of those boxes, I don't do it. And so like we have a filter over life and you probably have a filter over life as well. Like what does it take, Jarek, to design your life so that you have the freedom? Because I, you know, you hit it on, you hit it, you hit the nail on the head. Like, you know, I, I've asked, I've asked friends to go on trips with me to LA or what have you. And they're like, oh no, I can't uh, work or, you know, go to a, a, you know, a live interview that I'm doing in front of, uh, with, and be in the audience. And like, no, I can't get the, I'm not allowed to get off work, you know? What does it take to design your life? Um, well, the piece that makes the difference to realize there's an option is first, you got to find some some role models. You got to find some examples. You got to find some people that you trust because um, there's a lot of people who are nonsense that are showing you something that they haven't even obtained yet. Uh, and, and they're showing you the highlight reel. And I'll give you an example. Um, if you rewind... If you ever saw it, when I was young, 15 years old, I used to watch music videos on MTV. It was a thing back then. And, and there was this one video called Hypnotized by Biggie Smalls and Puff Daddy. And I remember watching this video. If you want to Google it, it's pretty cool. And there's like cars and motorcycles and helicopters and yachts and girls and ha mansions and stuff. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of stuff. Like someday I could have that kind of stuff. And then that, you know, I'd have way more than enough if I could have that kind of stuff in life. And I remember watching that. And then later, listening to an interview, when them describing what their life was really like at that stage, and what their life was actually like at that stage is they were renting one house, all of them. They were in the basement recording albums to try to make a hit so they could make some money. There was a bunch of mattresses all over the ground where they were all sleeping on the ground. 
just trying to survive long enough to maybe thrive a little. Now, what's interesting is I went, wow, they were selling the dream to a bunch of people who wanted to be entertained by the dream, and they were making money off of pitching the dream. Right now, there's a ton of people doing that in all different ways, shapes, and forms. Now, what you got to look at is two things. One, go back in history and think of what the dream was that they were selling because they've always been selling a dream. The dream has been different in what they're pitching. If you go back to Marilyn Monroe and Joe DiMaggio, the dream was become a movie star or a ball player, a baseball player. Notice the dream is not grow up and be a baseball player right now. It's to grow up and become a basketball player or a football player or start an app. I mean, shit, if you could start an app, like, bam, like sell it for a billion dollars, bingo, you solved everything or start, start start a company, be an entrepreneur. Like that's the current dream, but there's a bit, there's a more recent dream than that right now. So baseball player and movie star. Then it went in the eighties to and and you know this is when probably you and I were born eighties nineties. It was Wall Street investment banker. You know oh, if yeah. you were if, if you had a Ferrari Wolf of Wall Street style, you could close deals, make millions, go to the Hamptons. Oh man, you really made it in life. You were successful. If you could become a CEO of a company, oh you did it. Nowadays, (laughs) but fast forward, now it's if you could become an entrepreneur. If you're an entrepreneur, if you start a business, that's sexy. But there's a more recent dream than that that Hollywood's pushing, which is if you can argue with your sisters and bitch about stuff all day and get a lot of people to fucking watch you doing it, then you can become a billionaire. And and I'll give them a lot more credit than that because their mom is really smart in orchestrating this whole thing. But the dream is... (laughs) If I just sit around and bitch with my sisters all day and record it and people watch me, I can become the next youngest billionaire in the world. Yeah. And that's the dream they're pushing. So that's why all these people are on social media filming all the nonsense they do all day. Like, who the fuck cares what your potato salad looked like? But according to social media influencers, everyone cares and, and they can make money off of it. And that's the dream is I just sit around and do silly stuff all day and bam, I'm famous. And, and so the dream they're pushing is become famous via social networks. And that's the most current dream that's being pushed right now. More importantly, you said something about filters. At different stages of our lives, we have different filters of what's more important. If you look at men's lives, it's a little different than women's, but I'll show you just a couple stages of men's. Um, 18 to 30, what's most important is climbing mountains. It's about proving to ourselves what's possible. And no matter how mm. many times we get to the peak of the mountain, we will always look out in the distance and see another peak and go, but what about that one? And we'll go peak that one and go, no, 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 but what about that one? We'll go peak that one and go, no, 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 but what about that one? And you get to the Mount, you know, Mount Fuji and you go, oh shit, but what about Kilimanjaro? You get to Kilimanjaro and you go, but what about, you know, what about uh, no, Mount Shasta? No, no, Everest is the big one. We don't fuck oh, with yeah. Everest until we're ready. But like, <laughs> what about Mount Shasta? What about, you know, what about this one over here? And we look at all these little mountains and we keep topping it. Somewhere around 30, we get to the top of the fucking mountain and go, all there is is a nice view in thin air up here. Oh. Because <laughs> they all start feeling the same around 30. Right. And it doesn't matter really? if, your mountain, if your mountain was dating people, if your mountain was making money, if your mountain was traveling, if your mountain was whatever it was, having fun, being cool, whatever, learning stuff. At some point, all it is is thin air and a nice view. So and you're mid 30s now? You, you're mid 30s now? You've experienced, you, you've experienced that shift? I did it. Yeah. And someone told me about it. And I'm like, no, no, you just don't understand. That's what most people do. And then I got there. I'm like, fuck, thin air, nice view. Oh, shit. It got me. And, and what happened is there's a transition. The transition is looking for something that's worth, here's the exact phrase, worth investing my life into. What we're really looking for as men in this stage, um, and it's not gender-based, it's the masculine energy. So there can be a woman who's a female who also does this, and there can be a man who is a male who also does this. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's the masculine energy inside of us that's more driven and focused to do stuff. That energy right around 30 says, I need to find something that's worth investing my life into. And we take this really seriously. Because if, if, if you hear a guy say that, like, I'm just trying to find my thing in the world. I'm trying to find what's worth investing my life into. 
And you're like, eh, chill out. Just fucking have fun, man. Like, travel. You'll figure it out. They'll, it'll look like their brain is about to explode because it's serious. It's like, this is, I have to invest my fucking life into this. Like, you only live once, man. I'm already getting old. I might, I mean, fuck, I'm 26 years old. Like, if I don't figure this out, like, it's such a fucking thing at this stage. And it feels like it's the most serious thing in the world. Now, a dude who's 75 will laugh at you and be like, oh, you'll uh, calm down, youngster. You'll get it. But at 26, I mean, it feels like your head's going to explode if you don't figure it out. That's what it feels like. Right around 30, we'll find it. And the next probably 15 years of our life is work, 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 breathe. Work, 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 breathe. Work, 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 breathe. And, <laughs> and that's what it feels like. But it doesn't feel like work because it's, it's something that I'm investing my life into. It feels like it's my DNA to do this. If someone asks you to go do something else, it, 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 the only thing you want to do is this thing because it, it's, it's your life's work that you're creating. That's what it feels like. Somewhere around 45 to 50, which is midlife crisis, totally. we kind of look, we look back at that 15 years and go, fuck, was it worth it? Did it even matter? <laughs> Does anyone even care? Do I even care? What was that? I mean, God. And we kind of criticize ourselves and question ourselves and we transition. So just knowing those three stages, when you say what filters do we use to kind of figure out what to do with ourselves? You can see how there's really different filters just with those three stages. This stage, 4550, they're kind of questioning and just saying, hey, what's what who am I? Like, what am I really here to do? God, I just spent 15 years doing this and I don't even know if it was worth it. Shit, what's really worth my life? I want to find the one thing I'm all about. Here, the only thing they want to do is the thing that they think is worth their life. And everything else seems like a waste of freaking time. Here, it's about conquering mountains. I just want to see if I can get to the peak of that thing again and again and again. <laughs> and, and so the filter changes. Now for women um, or the feminine energy, men, males can still have this energy and so can, can females. But the, the feminine energy, uh, there's kind of a horseshoe that happens, which is really interesting. And what happens is, you know, zero to 13, it, it, it's, oh, let's do 13 to 30. So 13 to 30, she either comes up here or, or the feminine energy comes up here, doesn't have to be gender-based, and the feminine energy goes into temptress, which is how to use their power to influence or manipulate everyone around them so that they can get what they want. What does that mean? Their intelligence, their looks, their creativity, their words, their their personality, they're crying, they're pouting, they're yelling, they're screaming, they're kicking, like whatever. They, they pull out the works to figure out how do I get what I want is the basics. And that's 13 to 30 for a young woman. The flip side of that, the inverse of the, of the horseshoe down here is a tomboy. Fuck it, I'll do it myself. I don't need a boy to do anything. I can do this. I'm smart enough. I'm strong enough. I'm talented enough. And I can do shit no man on this planet can do and fucking make a baby. Like, I can do everything you can do and more. Why do I need a man? Why do I need a boy? Why do I need another human? And, and you know, I, I've, I've had, uh, I had a gentleman pull me aside when I shared this as a woman and man. He was a gay guy. And he's like, dude, I do not relate to that man's path you just said, but I'm a fucking temptress and I can get my shit done. I was like, hey, nice. good for you. <laughs> Love it. So, so it goes either way. Um, and, and so what escalates from a temptress is now a princess. This is really interesting because this is the third, the 30, what is this one? 13 to 30 is temptress right around 30. So 28 to like 40 is a princess and, and princess is just the way the person who taught me, taught me the stages and princess means um, I'm capable of making all the decisions myself, but I want someone that I can trust to make the decision because I'm tired and I don't want to have to make the decision right now. I can, I just don't want, I just don't want to. I want someone that I can trust that'll make the decision, not on what he wants, but what I feel like right now. So based on my feelings, he'll make the right decision for us. I was like, wow. Or the flip side is a businesswoman. I didn't need a, I didn't need a person, you know, I didn't need someone else to do it for me here. I sure as fuck don't need it here. I can do it myself. Move out of my way. I'll do it myself. Here's what's interesting. Guys tend to stay on the same path 
women, depending on how they feel, can hop back and forth. So if you're in a relationship, let's just say, you know, guy, gal in a relationship, he might have gotten together with a partner that they're going to build together. She's a businesswoman. You know, he's in that, that building stage and they work, 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 work together. One day she's exhausted and she puts on the princess hat and goes, I don't want to fucking make any more decisions. And he goes, what do you want for dinner, hon? She goes, I don't know. What do you want? He goes, no, babe, seriously. Like, what do you feel like? And she's like, uh, I really don't want to have to choose. Can you choose? And he goes, fine. I feel like hot dogs. And she's like, oh, what? Hot dogs? Oh, like how insensitive are you? And he's like, I'm fucking confused. Because <laughs> what happened was his business partner took off the business hat, put on the princess hat, and said, you decide. But you decide really means is take a breath, feel how I feel, and make a decision of what I need right now. Which when you and, – and what's funny is there's a bunch of dating communities that all bag on this and be like, oh, that's, that's a beta, that's a this, that's a that. And I laugh at them. I'm like, none of you have a long-lasting fucking relationship. So if you want to know what it takes to uh, actually have a relationship based on 30 years of research and 3,000 couples of what makes a master or a disaster, it's the ability to feel into your partner, understand their needs, wants, and desires, and serve it up. Well, it sounds, it sounds really good, but like, how, how do you, yeah, what's, what's like the first step? Um, so I, I break every step in anything you want to get good at into three steps. Learn it. <laughs> uh, you know, I call it creating your own personal PhD. Meaning, if you want a chance to get good at anything, you got to study. You got to sure. research it. You got to get around people who are doing it and learn from them. Now, Agreed. one little little thing for everyone who's listening that you might want to write down: trial and error is the stupidest way to try to figure something out. Wow. Wow. That's a, that's an unpopular opinion. Probably. Yeah. Continue about it. Well, let's say <laughs> you want to like fly in an airplane. Would it be smarter <laughs> to find someone who's done it and have them teach you and kind of download or mentor you through the process? Or would it be smarter to just go rent a plane and say, Hey, fuck it. Let's just see what happens. I can figure this out. Right. <laughs> Trial and error. That'd be really dumb. You're going to kill yourself. That'd be, that's right. Right. And, and, and so it, it makes sense when you use other parts of life because, you know, people say like, oh, you know, in eating, it should be like 80, 20, like 80% healthy. And, you know, you got to cheat some of the time, 20% of the time. I'm like, okay, great. Uh, pilots flying the plane. How like 80, 20, are you cool if they land the plane 80% of the time? No. No. Pilots land the plane 100% of the fucking time. Why? Because you die if they don't do that. Why do we treat our bodies different? How about an intimate relationship? You want to be faithful to your, or no, put it this way. You want your partner to be faithful to you 80% of the time. No. <laughs> no. Fuck no. 100%. Be committed. But when it comes to my diet, I'm going to commit oh. to myself 80% of the time. And, uh, you know, 20% of the time, I'm just going to fuck around and see what happens. No. Moderation is for the weak. It is, that's my this. opinion. Well, let me just keep switching it. Let's say you bought a Bugatti, $2 million car. How often do you want to throw sand in the gas tank? Like 20% of the time? No, I don't want to do that. Why? Because it'll break and I uh, will have wasted my money. That'd be a really stupid thing to do. So yeah, let's escalate it. Let's say you buy $80 million Gulfstream 650 ER long range, the badass jet that the billionaires all want. You buy one of those. Like how often are we going to take a big bucket of sand and just kind of chunk it in the gas tank? <laughs> zero percent of the time zero percent of the time that'd be a really stupid fucking thing to do that's Excuse right. my language I'm, I'm a little fired up on this yeah but, that's but good why, that's good why would you open your own mouth and throw a big bucket of sugar down your mouth or sand down your mouth and it's 20 percent of the time i would not do that no no but we do no, it every day sense. because we don't realize how much sugar is put in all the shit that we're eating mm. so, and so what, when you watch this it's not about moderation is the key to everything, even in moderation. It's not about all these phrases. It's stepping back and just saying, let's logically think this through. Not emotionally. Emotionally, we can justify anything. And we have in history. It's how the Holocaust happened. It's how genocide happens. 
It's, it's why the Hutus and the Tutsis killed each other. It, it's why all these things happen around the world because we can emotionally justify anything. Math-wise, you know, if math and emotion get in a fight, math always wins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just the way it is. And, and, and so that, that piece, if we look at the math of this, that's why I said 80%, 20%. You know, if, if you're only 20% committed or 80% committed to your spouse, you're not going to have a long-term relationship. It takes 100% commitment. If you're only 80% committed on your standard of landing the plane is 80%, like 20% will kill you. And so when it comes down to this concept, we have to take that concept. And this is where people get screwy because it's not being a drill sergeant saying, you must do this or you're going to die. Like it's not doing that to people. It's just saying, Hey, if we're at 60%, we need to move this up and get this to 80, 90, and eventually a hundred percent consistency here. If, if, you know, when you first start pilot training, my wife is doing right now. So am I, um, I do not know how to land the plane. My landing is 0%. So what do you do? You have an instructor with you who's there to help you land the plane. Why? Because if they sent you up by yourself, you would kill yourself. So the instructor guides you in the process, has their hand on the sting as you're landing and make sure the plane lands properly. Now they do that so many times with you until you get the hang of it. Then they take their hands off and let you land it while they're still sitting next to you. And if you start to screw it up, they go, whoa, 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 and make sure it you, you don't die. Mm -hmm. Then after so many times of you landing it perfectly with them next to you, eventually they just step out of the plane and they let you take it up and go in one big circle and land and then take off and then go in a circle and land. And you're like, Hey, look, you can land. And at that point they now trust you to fly the plane, but it's a gradual process. So you start at 0% and then you get to 20% and 40%, 50%. They do not let you fly the plane until you're hundred percent consistent. Because you die. And yeah, so coming like back, it's a, piece, it's a piece that's missing for most of us in this first step, which is we need to learn it. But most of us try to give it. So we skip a step. Imagine not knowing how to land the plane and opening up a flight school to teach other people how to fly the plane. Oh, no. That's like, yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> now I see how it relates to co See, like... It's the, it's the broke people selling courses on how to be financially free. Well, it's also Hollywood selling the dream of how to be famous when they're not famous. Right. That's right. It's Biggie Smalls and Puff Daddy selling the dream when they're living in the basement. It's the dream that's being sold. So if I open up a flight school and I sell you the dream of flying, but I don't know how to fly the plane, we're going to have some real fucking problems real quick. That's right. Does that make sense? It does. And so if you rewind this and we start back at learn it, you need to learn it from someone who knows how to fucking fly the plane. Otherwise, you're learning shit that doesn't work or we don't know if it works or we're hoping it works and you're risking your life on that and that's not a good idea. So find mm -hmm. someone who actually knows how to fly the plane and give yourself a personal PhD. Work with them as your student pilot and they're the teacher pilot. It, we used to call this apprenticeship you would find an ancient master of the craft and you would work with them as an apprentice for five years before you then started to do it on your own. Like it's an apprenticeship. You apprentice under someone until you become an understudy and then a master yourself. And eventually you make it better than the master ever could because you add your own twist to it after five years of apprenticeship. Like watch Batman movie. He was an apprentice under the like super cool ninja guy and wherever they were in the world. Like it's an apprenticeship. You learn, you know, Ninja Turtles, Master Splinter. They're all apprentices. Um, it, it, it's people have been trying to tell us for years via cartoons and movies and all kinds of stuff. Nowadays, though, none of us want to be the apprentice. We all want to be the master starting on day one without ever learning. Why and is so, that? Uh, part of the dream that's being sold by Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Oh, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, is it sexy to be the third sister in the family? No. Mm. It's sexy to be the most famous sister in the family. Right? No one knows who the fourth sister is that's never on TV. 
same thing. What was the the uh, Ozzy Osbourne the the TV show he had? Yeah. Who's okay. who's the other kid? There's Kelly. There's Jack, and then mm-hmm. the other one. Can't tell you. <laughs> That's not sexy to be the other one. <laughs> no. So everyone wants to be Kelly or Jack. Everyone wants to be Kim or Kylie or you know they don't want to be the other one. And 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 so we're at a time in history where that drive for being the one all the time is is causing us to to lose the opportunity to be the understudy. And this is something that just happened to me. I had the same feeling. We were at an event and someone I've known since I was five years old was on stage leading the main event. And in the back of my brain, it's like, why am I not leading the event? And then I thought about it. I was like, okay, ego, this dude's been doing it for 20 years before you were born. Plus all 35 years since you have been born. Oh, I was like, I should not be comparing and contrasting. I should be taking fucking notes right now. I'm like, holy shit, look at the way he did that. Look at the way he did this. I got to practice that. Oh, man, I could get better at this. Because when it's my turn to lead the room, which it has been, I need to hopefully have learned everything he's doing so that I'm really exceptional at it. And learning, the next piece is living it applying it a lot of people what i've seen is go learn stuff and then try to give it try to teach it and they've never lived it they've never actually gotten the result themselves so you got to first learn it do a personal phd designate 10 years to a subject and say hey i'm going to read about it learn about it study it get a mentor get a coach get a guide i'm going to take the classes go to the courses you know download the programs i'm going to do everything i can to consume everything about this in this 10 year period of time and 10 years is what it takes to become a doctor, medical doctor. So invest 10 years into studying this and mastering this. At the end of 10 years of studying something, you should be able to write a whole book on it, like a legitimate, best-selling, rock-your-world book on it. Not just you know author in a box in 15 days and bingo, there's a book, but like a real, true, research-driven book on actual information that can just rock someone's world and change their life or business or health or relationship like a real book. So learn it, live it, fully apply everything that you've learned, get the result. You know, we're, we're in this process right now in business or I'll do relationships. I studied relationships for five years before I met my wife. We've been married for five. We've been married for five years together for six. And, and I've been practicing and continuously learning. I just got, I did a two day certification in Gottman level one, certification for Gottman, um, uh, what is it? Level one clinical training for marriage and family therapist. I, I just went and did that a couple weekends ago and I'm going to do level two coming up. Like mm. I'm still studying and learning everything I can. And my wife laughs at me sometimes because I'll learn a new technique and I'll be like, Oh honey, it sounds like you're feeling X. Oh, that would make me feel X. What would you like to do with X? And she's like, you're doing it again. I was like, what? She's like, you're, you're doing the steps. It sounds so just freaking awkward when you do that. And I turned to her one day and I said, listen, thank you so much for letting me suck at this long enough that hopefully I'll become okay at it. And if I keep okay at it long enough, eventually I'll become good at it. And if I'm good at it long enough, I'll become great at this. And this is a tool that helps us have a better relationship. And I'm so grateful you give me permission to suck for a while. And she laughed. She goes, honey, you're doing great. I'm just teasing you. I said, I know, but thank you for the permission to suck at this so I can become great at this for us. She's like, I appreciate you put so much effort in. I was like, wow. Like, you got to give yourselves permission to, I just learned it. I'm going to try to apply it. And I'm going to suck at it in the beginning. But if I keep it long enough, eventually I'll become great at it. And then we have a crazy great relationship. But it's not because we got lucky and found the right one. It's because we freaking work at it. So I'm literally... 10, almost 11 years in the studying and practicing about relationships with five years of just study and practice on my own and s- almost six years of study and practice together. And it's hard. It takes a lot of work. In business, um, I-, I started in 2009, so 10 years in the studying and practice in business. Really, though, I started learning about it in 2009. I didn't really start like really practicing it until about four years later. 
So I'm about five or six years into really, really living it in business. And we still, I joined a mastermind for our business of a guy who's been buying and selling companies for 42 years, who just cashed out a handful of his companies for nine figures. Like he's the real deal banana peel. He's not the guy who tells me he knows how to grow my business. Like he's a dude who actually owns a bunch of businesses and runs them and manages them and hires people and optimizes them, all this jazz. I'm like, wow, we joined it. It was expensive. It was $55,000 to be part of it for the year. And we meet three times for the whole year. Here's what's crazy. If I bring up our numbers, let me grab it real quick, our processing account. Our business grew. We started in January with them. Our business grew 89% in January. It grew 30% in February. It only grew 7% in March. It grew 161% in April. It grew 101% in May. And then we're just starting June right now. So it's so, like doubling every month. Yeah, we're currently at, well, June's jacking it up because we're just starting. But I think we're at like 52% growth year to date since we started working with them. And all we're doing is adjusting one thing at a time to properly grow our business. And so that, that's the key. Like I'm in the learning and living section of this right now. And I'll tell some of my clients who I work with on performance will also work with in business and I'll, I'll share what's working and how and it's helping them. I had a client, you know, go from making 60,000 a month to making 112,000 a month over six month period of time of getting up to those numbers. It's like, okay, it's working. Um, had a guy who was making 500,000 from, you know, he has five companies a restaurant, radio station, all this stuff. He was making about 500 grand a year. After working together for a year, he was making 750 grand net, net take-home income after taxes. Like it's working, but I tell them, I'm still only about six years into my PhD here. So you know how far along I am. When I get to 10 years, I'm like, I have a full PhD in this subject. I can rock your damn world and I'm an expert. But six years in, I just finished my bachelor's. I'm kind of in my master's level right now. Still learning. I just let them know what's real so they know where I'm at and what they can really expect. So learn it first part, get your PhD. And once you get your PhD in one topic, think about it. If you lived, let's say, 40 more years, you can get four PhDs in the next 40 years. Sure. Pick your topics. Like I, I did love and relationships, business. And it's like, okay, what else do I want to learn? Like health, I have a little mini, probably a, at least a master's in health. I don't know if I finished off my, my PhD yet there. I got some lots of stuff to learn and it's always getting better. It's, things are changing. Oh yeah. Um, but, 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 you know, figure those out. So P, get your P, personal PhD. Second, live it, really apply it, get results. So you actually can tell people what you've done and they show them and then give it, pay it forward. Find people you can share it with and you can either share it in a way that you can monetize it and create a little business that is sharing or just share it with people because you want to see people do better in their damn life. Love it, Jarek. Do you ever, I mean, obviously you've, I mean, I, that was, that was fantastic. I mean, you've done so much in your life and, you know, but do you ever doubt yourself? Sure. Yeah. What like, do you do? Like, what, what do you do when, you're, when you doubt yourself? Um, when you, you question no, yourself? So the piece is in the beginning, there, there, you, you kind of have to, if you're doubting yourself, you haven't come to terms of reality. Reality is when you do something new, you're going to suck at it in the beginning. Like right. if I throw you a basketball and you've never shot a basketball before, the first shot is going to be wonky. Probably, we can yeah. count on that. It's just, you know, you might be like, oh, I'm blessed. Like I hit it. But then, you know, okay, okay. Do 50 more and see what happens. It's going to get wonky because you haven't done it. You haven't trained the muscles. You haven't trained your body. You don't know the rhythm. Or even if you hit the shot, I say, okay, great. Go play against Steph Curry and see what happens. He's going to smash you. Why? It's not that he's gifted and was born this way. He's just done it a long time. He's really talented because he puts in 500 extra shots per day after practice. Like he's done it so many times that he, he's trained his body how to be exceptional at it. And so this is the first piece of reality. You're going to suck. And if you stick with it long enough and you really put in the effort and you try to improve and, and fine tune, you'll get okay. 
And if you're okay long enough, eventually you become good and eventually you become you know, amazing at it. But you got to stick with it long enough. And so if you're ever doubting yourself, it's because you haven't come to terms on, you're going to suck when you start. Like have certainty in that. And if you start and you, you like, let's say you get really lucky or you're gifted or you're blessed or some shit. And instead of sucking, like you're really good at it in the beginning. Cool. You're one step ahead of where you nor everyone else starts. Good for you. Keep going and become exceptional. But when you come to terms with reality like that, you realize it's just part of the process. And so doubting yourself means, oh, I just haven't put in as much practice in this area of life. And I probably need the practice if I'm going to get good at it. And I want the result that I, I'm dreaming of. And so self-doubt means I don't think that even if I put in the practice, it's ever going to work, which oh. is that kind of doubt is part of a, a fixed mindset. So there's a book you can read called Mindset by Carol Dweck. If, you have, a if you have a fixed mindset, you think that either you have it or you don't. Either you were born with it or you'll never be able to figure it out. That fixed mindset will prevent you from actually getting good at stuff. The growth mindset is the mindset we're talking about here, which says, hey, obviously I sucked at tying my shoes before I learned how to do it. But once I practiced enough, I became pretty good at it. Yeah, you it know, all goes back to learning and putting in the work. Exactly. Learn, live, give. And so learn it, live it, practice it until you get the results and then give it, pay it forward and help others do the same. Certainly. You ever feel depressed though? Like, is it, is it all sunshine and rainbows or do you find, do you find times when you feel sad sometimes? Sure. Um, so my mom is in the process of her last few days right now. And so is there sadness? Of mm -hmm. course, I'm going to miss my mom. Like, yeah, it's my mom. I don't want to see her in pain. I don't want to see her hurting like that. Um, now, does it stay around forever? No. And it's not because I'm special or have some superpower of mental control over myself. It's based on habits that I've practiced for, God, 14, 34, 20 years of my life. And so 20 years of daily habits, just like Steph Curry does 500 free throws or 500 jump shots a day beyond like he goes to practice and after practice does 500 jump shots a day every day in season just like that i have certain habits i do that make me mentally emotionally physically very resilient meaning i can go through really shitty times and i'll get down for probably 10 minutes and i'll you know have a good cry and then be like okay yeah and and just enjoy the hell out of it and actually enjoy the process of it and what like, are, ah, beautiful thing. right what are a couple of your go-tos like for me i mean i love reading or you know another extreme like you know of course a pattern interrupt like intense exercise that i will sure. do what are some of your go-tos to uh you know sort of fight off that sadness you know some of the tools you talk about sure habits. so if we look at the biochemistry of it we want to figure out how do we redo the chemistry inside of your body like what things produce happiness, what things produce fulfillment, what things produce joy. And so when we look at these things, uh, what things create more mental and emotional resilience? The number one thing, I, I had an opportunity to go do some performance training for the special operations in the US Air Force, special ops guys. And these guys are smart as hell, strong as hell. They're the smartest, fastest, brightest, most amazing humans you ever meet. Um, they're strong enough to like fight with the Navy SEALs into where you got knocked down take the backpack off and do full surgery onto you under heavy fire conditions where stuff blowing up and bullets flying by their head. And they can stay totally focused and do full surgery on you and like put you back together and then pick you up and save your ass and get you out of there. I'm like, wow, blows my mind how smart and talented and incredible these humans are. And the number one thing they look for when they pick who's on the team and who's not is mental resilience. Now, my thought is how do you build mental resilience? Like do you either have it or not or can you build it? And you can build it um, with certain things you do every day. And it, it's a chemical element more than just mental strength kind of stuff. And so how do you build the chemistry that produces resiliency? Meaning you can keep going, get knocked down, but keep going because you have resiliency inside of you. And so you got to make yourself strong inside and the ability to take on more pressure. So how do you do that? Um, the simplest thing I've ever learned is a three-minute ice-cold shower. Yeah. So if you get in the three-minute ice-cold shower... My, my friend who runs the neuroscience lab over at Stanford University, Dr. Andrew, he says 
he, he measured Wim Hof and measured all his biochemistry and hooked him up to all kinds of machines and studied his brain and all this stuff. And when he looked at the whole thing, he said, we're going to term this as super performance. I was like, what does that mean? He said, basically, when you hit the ice cold for three minutes and you do the breathing, it activates all the benefits of fight or flight, meaning your eyes focus, your muscles tighten, your, your, your body breaks down sugar more efficiently so you have more energy and fuel. You're, you, you get all the benefits of turning into like the Hulk version of yourself without any of the negative consequences. Your adrenals fire, so you're filled with adrenaline and ready to like run through that brick wall. So you get this hyper version of yourself or super version of yourself without the, without the negative burnout or consequences, which is like, wow, that's more resilient. You're way more resilient when you're in fight or flight than you are without it. And so we can get the positive benefits of that without the negative consequences. Three-minute ice cold shower. Um, the ability to clear your mind and focus. One of my clients used to train the snipers for the Navy SEALs. And so one thing you got to be able to do as a sniper is stay laser focused on the task at hand and aware of the chaos around you. Why? Because if you're not laser focused, you miss the target. You either shoot your guy or shoot the wrong person or, or you miss altogether. And now they're going to come find you because they know where you're at. Like that doesn't work. You have to hit the target. Number two, if you're not aware of the chaos, if you're not paying attention to what's going on back here, someone walks up behind you and shoots you. That's not going to work either. So you it's have not. to be laser focused and aware of the chaos. Now, where would that be beneficial? If you own a business, if you are not laser focused, you get nothing done all day. If you're not aware of the chaos, most companies are three bad decisions away from going out of business. If you're not aware of what's going on and what people are doing around you, someone might make three bad decisions that day and put your whole company out of business. And this is true for even companies that are 100 years old. Bear Stearns, three bad decisions financially, whole thing's gone. Multi-billion dollar company, gone. Three bad decisions. And it's like, whoa, Like you have to be aware of the chaos. And yeah. you got to be laser focused to be able to make progress every day. So my thought is, how do you train the brain to be laser focused yet aware of the chaos? The only thing you do is meditation because meditation is laser focused on calm and in the moment and just right here, right now, but aware of the chaos. You're aware mm -hmm. of the thoughts, aware of the emotions, aware of all the stuff going on around you. It yep. builds the muscle. That's so meditation like, oh, is what I did. It's what I did right before I got on here. That's right. So three minute ice cold shower meditation. I like using Muse because it's the first device I've ever seen that gives you actual feedback to tell you how you're doing on clearing your mind and focusing and being What's aware that? of the chaos. M-U-S-E? Yeah. So you can go to highperformancemuse.com, which is our affiliate link. If you want to check it out, it gives you 20% off. If you don't, you can go to choosemuse.com. Uh, but I would ask you to go to High Performance Muse and hopefully- <laughs> Of course. I mean, why not? Why not? Right. <laughs> right. But it's our affiliate link and it'll get you 20% discount, I think. Yeah. And, and so it's a cool device. And you slap it on your forehead and it measures your brain waves while you're meditating. And it tells you if you get lots of random thoughts in your head, it gives you lightning bolts and thunderstorms to tell you that you got a storm in your mind. When you clear your mind, it gives you little tweeting birds to tell you that you've cleared your mind. So it's giving you feedback and helping coach you through the meditation on how to clear your mind. It's training the muscle in your brain of how to do it. And it's really cool. And then at the end, it gives you this little, let me see if I can pull up my session. It gives you this cool little feedback on here. And that I'll sounds show you the next level. It's very it's cool. It's like, I, I, I just can't even imagine. <laughs> it so, just sounds like some future stuff, man. It is. So this is, hold on, let me find, got to scroll back a little. I've been killing it lately. You've been um, killing it? You got to be getting the birds chirping? 48% calm. So this is what 48% calm looks like. Basically, there's a bunch of lines jumping up and down, up and down, up and down, mm -hmm. right? So take right. a mental picture that, yeah. of that. And then if I pull it back, let me show you what 98% calm looks like. Whoa. Yeah. So that's a different game. Much more stable. And then if you look at the bottom, see all the little birds down there? Uh-huh. Right, right up, right here. See the little line of blue? That's all birds tweeting the whole time. 
Oh, wow. Versus if I go back to 48%, scroll down. See how there's not a lot of not a lot of birds? Right, no birds chirping there. No, no birds. it's a very zigzaggy. Because your brain's going like yeah. this the whole time and there's thoughts everywhere. And so mm-hmm. it literally gives you this feedback and it tells you how you're doing and it tells you how, how many days in a row and the whole thing. It's really cool. And so that's something I've used. Uh, the other fun part is with my personal clients, I have a dashboard that shows me how they do every morning. So I open up the dashboard and I see how everyone was this morning. And as long as you can clear your mind, let's put it this way. A grown man with his best effort can clear his mind for 10 minutes. Perfect. Have a great day. Now, if a grown man with his best effort can't clear his damn mind for 10 minutes, ah, I've got to give him something he can do right now to get some clarity so he can actually have a productive day. Or her, if I was working with you know a businesswoman in this case. Right. Um, and so I would tell them if, if I saw that they were all over the place, I'd go three minute ice cold shower mandatory right now. I don't care what you're doing. Get in the shower for three minutes, ice cold. It'll blast the thought out of you. You will not have any thoughts after three minutes of an ice cold shower Two, I want you to immediately think of all the things you're grateful for and flood your body with gratitude. Three, I want you to lock on to your long-term vision and read it aloud of exactly where you're going to be 10 years from now. Then say where you're going to be a year from now. Then out loud, say exactly what you need to do right now to be on track to make that happen, and then literally get it done. That's it. Learn it, live it, give it. Jarek, I thank you for sharing all that you have today, all the tools that you have shared today. Very helpful. And my, you know, so I highly recommend everyone get your book, Live It. They can find it on Amazon. What's next for you? Do you have another book coming out? Um, I was just talking to a, a really cool writer about the possibility of writing another book. There's some research that we're going to be working on for that. Um, and we're looking for the correlation. We, we have a program on Udemy. Um, it, it's called The Complete Guide to Activating High Performance. focuses on sleep, nutrition, exercise, mindfulness, movement, peer group, and happiness. And it has all the science behind how to increase all those things and you know optimize them. Um, we have Ben Greenfield, who's a badass. Really oh, he sure is. Guy. Yep. And then we have Sean Stevenson, who, who's yep. also equally as badass as far as sleep and nutrition and mindfulness, all this stuff. And then we have Wim Hof in the program as well, teaching his stuff. Nice. So we got some killer people in the program. Um, we usually have it discounted to like 10, 20 bucks on there. And so it's really cool. We have students in 91 countries right now around the world in 28 different languages taking the program who love it. And, and so if people want to go check that out, uh, that's something that's currently out there. Um, you can go to what is it? High performance, um, kw.com. And it'll, it'll give you 90% off. If you want to take that program, it's like 10 bucks, go grab a copy and go through it. Um, and then the, the piece that we're doing right now is doing some research about, is there any correlation between people who sleep more, have a better intimate relationship and money? Like what's the correlation? And so we're going to do some research with business owners and figure out how does your sleep, sex life, and money correlate? Do the, the people who sleep more and have more make, make love more often tend to make more money? Does their business succeed? The people who business succeed tend to, like, how does it correlate? We're going to look for any correlations. Well, we're going to do a big study across the country about for business owners and just see what we can find. Fantastic. I you know I highly recommend people keep up with you, jerickrobbins.com, at jerickrobbins on Instagram. That's correct. Fantastic. So, Jarek, my final question for you is, if you could teach a course at a university, course of your creation or otherwise, what would it be? We've talked about so many different things today, different concepts, tools, habits, philosophies. If you were to package it into a course, what would you, uh, what would it contain? Cool. Um, so, we've already created one that that's, you know, at that level. And of course, it, yeah. it's, you know, Performance Coach University. So, it's teaching yeah. people how to coach people to high performance. So how to help people be happier, healthier, stronger, more fulfilled, and more resilient in everything they do. So that would obviously be one. Um, I I think I would be a three-part professor. The second one I would teach um, is really truly intimate relationships, how how to have an exceptional relationship and the work involved to be able to do that. It is not something that you find the one and it's magical from there. Whoever you pick it's work and it's finding people that are compatible to do the work together in a way that they both enjoy doing the work together. And so there's, there's a beautiful course I could teach on that. That'll probably be in the works down the road. 
And then the, the third course I'll probably teach later as I get more practice is, is purely around business and business building and, and optimizing everything between hiring and culture and optimizing your, your financials and maxing your, your, you know, the, the culture mixed with the, the profit and all those pieces. Uh, but, but the first one is how to help people be happy, healthy, strong, fulfilled, and resilient. Second one is intimate relationship. So this is master yourself, master your relationship, master your business. Those would be the three pieces. Fantastic. Jarek Robbins, you are the man. Thank you very much. There you have it, my friends. This has been another episode of the Growth Mindset University podcast. Now, if you enjoyed this one today, there are a couple of ways that you can give back. The first is, of course, to leave an honest rating and review in Apple Podcasts or iTunes. You can also take a screenshot of this and share it out on your Instagram story and tag me at j underscore Paris underscore and tag our guest as well. And we will absolutely give you some love. And then, of course, if you want to start your own podcast, a podcast like this or any other podcast that you envision, you can go to jordanparis.com slash pu to get free access to Podcast University. All right. I love you all so very much. And until next time, my friends, make every day count, live to learn, and grow to give.